Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Each week, our hosts will be interviewing local, regional, and national business leaders to give you an inside peek into how they lead their business to success in the ever-competitive business climate. Welcome to Monday Morning Coffee with Inside the Firm. Today, I have another special guest, Nick Sukalas. He is the CEO and Chief Marketing Strategist at Realtop, a, a full-service search engine marketing agency. Nick started his sales and marketing career at the age of 18 as the youngest producing real estate agent in the city of Boston. That's impressive. After some very quick success, he took his sales and marketing talent to the mortgage industry. He was awarded as a top mortgage executive in his rookie year, placing him at the top 1% of mortgage executives before he turned 21. He then continued his career rebuilding falling call centers in that space and managing more than 200K a month in advertising spending. He then started his own financial service sales and marketing company in 2008, where he bootstrapped his company to more than three Inc. 5,000 awards for fast-growing private companies in the United States and more than $50 million in revenue. Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Wow, that was, that was an awesome intro. I didn't realize all that stuff happened. Yeah, man, you've been out there. You've been doing stuff, especially since, uh, I mean, realtor at 18 and actually crushing it. I, my wife is a realtor, so I see her. I've seen her since she started her career and how difficult it is um, to become a successful realtor. I think people see the percentage numbers that you guys earn, and rightly so, by by list by buying and selling property, but um, it's not as easy as it looks. Uh, before we kind of get into exactly what you do now, I would love to know... Um, how, how you got to where you are a little bit more than maybe than I've kind of explained here. Did you grow up in a family of entrepreneurs or quite the opposite? You know, what led oh, you? Yeah. 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 I, I totally, you know, it's interesting. I grew up in a super like um, super kind of blue collar neighborhood, right. Where all of my friends, dads did something. They had this profession. Like that guy was a plumber. That guy was an electrician. That guy was a this and I could never actually say that with my dad. People would say, what is your dad? And I was like, I'm not really sure because he always had different businesses going. He owned donut shops, restaurant distribution, used cars at one point. He had all these different businesses at one point. And I didn't exactly know what they were. And this is, this is the 80s. So like no one said entrepreneur back then. That wasn't like a thing. So yeah, I grew up, I grew up in it. Yeah, that's well. You took the words right out of my mouth. That's what I was going to suggest. Is like it was it because that word was not prominent, and now it's kind of everywhere, right? I mean, I even call myself, you know, serial entrepreneur and stuff like that. So it's interesting. Um, so you're a marketing uh, strategist um, that seems to specialize specialize in Google Ads. Why Google Ads specifically over everything else? Well. You know, I started my professional career in sales, right? And and I I loved sales. And um, I originally started in real estate sales, where you know we're commissioned to go out there and create the and create these quality relationships and get these referrals. So we really have to be very very smart with the type of leads that were coming in. Okay, and actually by default, creating relationships, you always created the highest quality lead for your own business um, as possible. When I got into the mortgage industry, um, it was interesting because the, the model of the place that I worked at first, it was all lead based. And I got there and I remember my boss, he was like, hey, you're gonna call all these, printed out a stack of leads and it worked. 
but I was like, man, this is, this is dumb. Like I didn't, I didn't want to do it. I was like, I don't want to call 200 people to possibly get two prospects to possibly book a deal. I was like, there's got to be a better way. So I ended up using those referral marketing skills in my mortgage career to do a lot less um, than my peers and actually make uh, way more money because the company was willing to pay us like triple the amount um, for referrals. Now, when I started my own financial services company, at first it was great because I was just getting a ton of referrals, right? Um, but what I what I noticed is I couldn't I couldn't necessarily scale that with other people. Okay, I was doing a ton of referral business making a lot of money. But then when I started adding people, how could I replicate that? Well, I needed to basically hire salespeople and drive in leads. Now, I didn't want to, I didn't want to deal with garbage leads. I didn't want to cold call myself. So I didn't want my own salespeople to have to do that. So really, I made a point in driving in the highest quality lead possible, um, with the exception of a referral. And, and what that was, was a Google lead. Okay. Um, when we would convert, let's say referrals at 75 and 80%, you know, of, you know, every hundred leads turning into 80 customers, let's say, um, when we got something from, let's say, social media or buying leads from a third party company and cold calling them, you know, we were converting those leads at 3% and 5%. And it would just burn you out where with Google marketing, I mean, it's simple. We convert those leads at 30%, 33. So although it's not as good as a referral, what we found was, at least on the sales side, was it was the second best thing. And, and, and that's why I wanted more efficiency at the desk of the salesperson um, versus just calling, 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 calling. I, I hated it myself. So I was like, I'm not going to have anyone else do it. So I, I didn't. And it, and it worked out pretty well. So, so the quantity was different. Uh, just to recap again, is so Google, you, you were showing at that point in time that you were getting about a 30% capture rate versus you'd say three to 5%? Yeah, like if we just looked at just straight closing percentages, okay, what I was closing um, for every 100 leads I was getting from Google, you know, I was closing a good 30% of those, sometimes more. Whereas the leads I was getting from other marketing platforms, and I'll give you, a, I'll give you some comparison, like what I was getting from social media, the leads we were generating from that platform, although very, still very fruitful, it was maybe five to 10%. The leads that we were getting from third-party sources where you could just buy data from lead generation companies, there's a ton of them out there. We were converting those at three to 5% into business. And although on the surface, you might pay the exact same amount to acquire the customer at the end of the day, because Google's fairly expensive to generate a lead, whereas as you buy leads, it's super duper cheap. So you might acquire the customer for about the same amount of money, let's say at the end of the day, but the salesperson that has to come in day in and day out and do the work to get these people on the phone and to convert the business and to get the quality customers. I mean, they would just burn out on those low quality sources of leads. So for us, it was like Google was, and, and still is aside from referrals, it's the best for the sales team. Yeah, that's an interesting insight. Uh, I wonder if you could speak to, so the reason why I asked to kind of reframe the numbers was that's a, a quantity 
that we right i mean just a pure numerical quantity what about the quality was there did you notice a difference in the in the quality of leads from google to the social media stuff oh it's it's a it's a it's a huge difference and really you know and and i'm not trying to knock social media marketing we do a ton of it right but our preference has always been google we will typically put a company off with google search marketing as kind of a phase one and once we tap that out we go to social but you got to really think of the psychology here. Someone goes onto Google, okay, and they search for an attorney. They search for a plumber. They search for a marketing agency. Whatever the services that they're looking for, possibly the product. They are in that moment. Something has motivated them. Maybe there is some sort of pain they're trying to get rid of. There's some problem they're trying to solve, but the motivation is built in to the process, right? And now they're searching. Whereas if you're marketing on social media, okay? Um, someone is on Facebook, okay? They're scrolling through their feed. What's their motivation in that moment? Usually it's to disconnect from the world, okay? So they're not as motivated in that moment, okay? Mm-hmm. Now they might fit the exact avatar of who your customer should be perfect audience targeting zip code targeting geo targeting all the targeting is perfect in your campaign but you got to realize they're not motivated when they see your ad occasionally you might get lucky someone happened to be motivated in that moment but usually they're not but the ad caught their interest it disrupted something else that they were doing and as a result you know they submitted a form inquiry. They came to your website. They engaged something, something has happened. So because they weren't as motivated, what do we find? Number one, the overall closing percentage on a batch of leads from social versus a batch of leads from Google, it is always far lower. Okay. In addition to that, what's interesting and a lot of businesses don't take into account is the sales cycle is, is a lot longer. So when you get someone that is very, very motivated and they find you on Google, okay, if you get 100 leads for your service-based business, there's a good chance, um, or let's say on average, you convert the third of those leads into customers within a week, okay? There's a sales cycle there. So let's say that average is a week. On social, okay, because they might not have been looking for what you have to offer and they haven't, it's disruptive marketing. What you find is the actual sales cycle to convert less leads is far longer, triple, quadruple, 5X. So where that poses an issue for a lot of small businesses is, well, it's taking more time and more cash to get revenue in the door. You've got a cash flow, that marketing investment, okay? You're not recouping that marketing investment as quickly as you'd like. So it can cause a lot of small businesses to really get a little cash strapped. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, most businesses fail because, you know, they can't get to revenue quick enough so they can start, you know, fixing their mistakes because we're all making mistakes early on. Whereas referral business and Google business, short sales cycle, you can put somebody back in the register to reinvest, optimize, and, and grow um, and, and survive. And that's the, that's the second biggest thing. So we have 
closing percentage lower. We also have longer sales cycle, uh, especially for service businesses. Products is a little different, of course. Yeah, yeah, really interesting insight. I, I, I like that you that you compared and contrasted basically sort of a long game versus a short game, and then then how that translates over to cash flow. I mean, it's so important, right? I mean, profit and cash flow is is the lifeblood of a business. So if you can't if you can't maintain those things right when you're starting out, you're gonna you're gonna fall short pretty quickly. Uh, why do you, so there's probably people listening to this show that are thinking, Hey, I have a pretty good organic SEO already with my website. Uh, my Google business listing is, is number one. If somebody searches for Longmont architect, for instance, um, what would you tell that person listening, um, that, uh, Google ads are actually a smarter investment than organic CEO. You SEO, know, sorry. I wouldn't necessarily say. I think, I think it's necessary. So we're primarily a search engine marketing company, right? And search engine marketing consists of working on your Google My Business listing, doing your SEO, and also doing those search ads. I think it's a, it's a different lane, okay? Um, you have some percentages, which is like more than 70% of actual transactions, money revenue that is coming into the door of businesses using Google, it's coming through Google ads, Okay. So even though you're crushing it on, on organic, if you're marketing on Google ads, it's not like you're all of a sudden not going to get that organic traffic. You're just opening up an additional channel. Mm. Okay. So if you're capped out, um, I spoke to a company yesterday, actually, uh, the lady's running this like amazing, uh, uh, dog walking and boarding business, 25 employees, She's killing it, really amazing business, and she's using her Google My Business listing very, very well. She's doing all the right things. Her organic search looks top, okay? But she needs an additional 50 uh, dog walking sessions per day for 2022. And she's like, how do I get it? Well, you have these other channels which are in the top four spots of Google that you're not tapping into. This is not gonna take away from this. The person clicking here is not also, it, their alternative is not down here, okay? So if you're hitting your numbers and you know 30% of business is happening down in the organic slash Google My Business line, you get another 70% of potential, um, a potential clientele or revenue up here. Um, that's, one, that's one big reason to make sure you put it in the mix. The second thing is, um, you know, I've ranked companies with our team number one nationally, regionally, and locally all day long. But what we do, um, we have a disclosure, okay? And the disclosure is very simple. It's, we control a lot of things, but we don't control the Google algorithm, okay? Mm -hmm. The algorithm does change. Why it changes? Well, I'm no conspiracy theorist, but, you know, Google's not a nonprofit company, they're making their money from ads. Mm -hmm. So the fact that they're every once in a while shuffling the deck, well, what does that tell you? They're not going to give you everything for free. Every once in a while, they're going to shuffle the deck. If you're doing a, if you have a business that's making a hundred thousand dollars per month right now, and it's all organic search. Okay. They're not dumb. They know the amount of search you're getting when they shuffle the deck. If your rankings change and you go to 50,000, you have to quickly supplement, okay? Or you have to yeah. cut your business off. So what do you do? You're going to quickly supplement that by 
investing some of that revenue into ads to keep your people at their desk, to keep everybody employed. So that's my theory on why it's happening. But I think it's a little irresponsible to not have a paid marketing model in the mix. If you have employees and people relying on you and you don't have a lifetime value of a customer figured out in a cost a cost per acquisition that you're willing to pay to acquire that customer using paid marketing methods methods because you know how these platforms perform, you're probably being a little irresponsible and you could possibly be putting your your uh, a staff at risk if, if there's a downturn or a change in the algorithm. Yeah, I would just flat out say that, that you are being irresponsible at that point, if, if you are. I mean, I was the reason why Alex and I started our firm was because we were laid off from people who I think were irresponsible and not obtaining the, the correct amount of work, um, especially during the downturn. Uh, in, interesting, um, interesting comparisons you got there. Tell us about big boys, the big boys versus the little boys or girls and boys, doesn't matter. But uh, what, is it, what is a dirty little secret about Google ads that the big boys already know and use um, to grow fast that maybe the little guys don't? You know what? I'm going to give credit. <laughs> I'm going to give credit to my dad, actually, the serial entrepreneur for this concept. And um, I remember one day, one of my businesses, we were spending about $100,000 per month in Google ads, generating over a thousand new clients per month. So it was a huge success. And I remember having a cup of coffee with him one day and I said, hey dad, I'm sick of giving Google $100,000. There's mm. gotta be a better way. And he goes, how long have you been doing this? I was like, I don't know, seven, eight years now. <laughs> And I was like, you know, think about all that money I've given Google. And he said, you haven't given them anything. You've probably given them what? $3,000. That's it. It's like, that makes no sense that we're talking a hundred thousand per month. That's 1.2 million a year. That's a good 10 million bucks just over the last few years, give or take. And he said, no, that's not how it works. You're thinking incorrectly. That's not how big businesses work. And he explained it to me. If you take a thousand dollars, and put it into a marketing campaign today, okay? And that $1,000 in some way, shape, or form generates two, okay? And let's say for the sake of just this formula, um, you get $2,000 back in revenue. And by the way, marketing should move top-line revenue. If it's not, it's not marketing. You know, what is it? You know, it's fluff. Um, with the exception of brand awareness. But for the most part, lead generation campaigns should move top-line revenue every single time. So let's say you get $2,000 um, from that thousand dollar investment. Well, you got back your thousand bucks, number one, that's pretty cool, but you got a new thousand dollars. A thousand dollars you would not have otherwise have had if you didn't run that campaign, okay? So what do you do now? You take that thousand dollars, and instead of putting it in your pocket, take that and do it again, okay? And then again, and then again, that $1,000 is $30,000 at the end of the month. It's, it's $360,000 at the end of the year. But really what you have is, is $1,000 that you got from the campaign. You got it for free, okay? That you've recycled over and over and over and over and over. You are now playing with the house's money. It's an old casino term, right? As soon as you get your winnings, 
take your initial investment, give it to someone, tell them to leave the casino, right? At that point, you're just gambling with your winnings. You can't lose. It's the same thing in marketing. And the big boys have figured it out. And that's why they'll always ask a question. How quickly can we get back our initial investment, number mm -hmm. one? How quickly can we double it, number two? So with that doubling, is that is the house's money. That's when you can start, you know, that's when your ROI goes to infinity. And once you do that without investors, without partners, without hedge funds putting up the cash for you, you can grow a company very, very quickly. Um, and that's, that should be the number one goal with all paid marketing campaigns, getting to that point. Because once you get that, it, it's wildfire. You don't need anyone to grow very, very quickly. Interesting. Why do you, so again, some people who might be listening to this uh, have already tried maybe Google ads and they say, well, it, it wasn't really, it wasn't, it didn't pay off for me. Um, if you had to guess, why do you think most businesses who have done that and tried it and then said, nah, I'm not going to do it again. Why, why didn't they succeed with their first try on Google ads? So Google ads has, I mean, there are a lot of booby traps in there that are predetermined to really just burn through your cash. So, you know, they're literally default settings in, in Google ads. It'll just burn through your cash. Like when you build a campaign to get in front of people searching for your business, there's a box that's checked when you're setting the campaign that says, Hey, we're also going to show your ads all over the internet to people that didn't look for it. Okay. Mm -hmm. In display. So people are running these ads and they're getting clicks from all over the internet on this display network. And they have no idea why it's because Google has a default, um, uh, default, uh, a, a box that's checked inside of the ads that people don't even realize you, you wouldn't unless you've been a nerd like us doing this for a long time. You know, another thing that we see is people will go ahead, you know, I'll, I'll give you a, a, a simple uh, example. Okay. And you know, you have a law firm, you're in Providence, Rhode Island, you have a law firm and you want people that are searching for attorney uh, to see your ad one word. So you bid on attorney. I'm going to bid $10 um, to have people click on an ad when they search the word attorney. They're going to come to my website. I'm an attorney. They're going to do business with me. This is easy. <laughs> and what happens? They get 100 clicks. They pay 10 bucks a click. They've spent $1,000 and they haven't gotten a single leader, maybe they've gotten one or two, but it's nothing fruitful. And they're like, this doesn't work. And time and time again, when we have this type of scenario and we, we look under the hood of the Google campaign, we find the most obvious mistake. And actually I rephrase it, the not so obvious mistake. Okay. So Google has, when you bid on a keyword, okay. It doesn't just show your ad to people that have searched that keyword. It will show your ad to people that have searched variations of that keyword. So someone could have typed in free attorney. All those clicks could have been for free attorney. You could have had people that typed in cheap attorney, crappy attorney, attorney scam, the worst attorney in America, and your ad would show up, okay? So what has to happen is when an account is launched, the search terms that people are typing in to find your ad, those need to be monitored uh, when the campaign is launched hourly, daily, like you got to be on those. And as you're seeing these search terms come in, these, these, these queries come in, you have to take 
the the things that you don't want to be associated with, the queries you don't want to be associated with that relate to your keyword, and you have to add them to something called a negative keyword list. It's like a blacklist that says, mm. hey, someone typed in free attorney, the word free, put it on the negative keyword list. I don't want to be associated with that, with that search. Someone typed in junk attorney, <laughs> scam attorney, those, those negative keywords that people are typing in, um, you need to be adding them to that negative keyword list. That way your, your ad is only served up to people that are truly matching what you have to offer, which you're a good, reputable attorney. And that's it. And that's where we see, you know, 90% of the mistakes on these campaigns. And when we fix it, it's awesome because you have someone that could be paying $1,000 to generate a lead for their law firm or for whatever business they have. And all of a sudden you see the cost went on 80, 90%. And then we have money to reallocate to a bigger budget for that more refined campaign. And, and you see a business flourish very, very quickly. Yeah. The, all the nuances that you're describing uh, really, I think, make a really good case for why somebody who is just, you know, a business owner who is concentrating on their service-based business is not maybe a, equipped to be able to do successful Google ads. I mean, you're making, you're obviously making the case for yourself, Nick, um, and, and your firm and everything. So tell us a little bit more about what is a typical working relationship like with you guys? If you're starting with somebody who is running a small business that does it, that is providing a, you know, a basic service um, to society. Well, for, I'll take you through kind of the step-by-step. -step. The first thing is, is a free marketing plan slash audit. So a lot of our existing business owners, the ones that aren't startups, they're already doing a bunch of things. Some things are working, some things are not working. So we'll look under the hood of, you know, their Google ad campaigns, their Google My Business, their organic SEO, um, their email marketing, their social. We'll look at the whole thing. What's good, what's not good. From there, we'll actually build out a plan, typically optimizing the things that aren't working well, okay? Sometimes we're just eliminating things. Um, and then other times we're telling people, hey, you're doing really good at A, B, and C, double up on it, you know, do, do more of it. But we'll create this free marketing plan slash audit for people. Um, from there, if, if somebody wants to utilize our services to execute parts of the plan, whether it's one part of the plan or all the parts of the plan, we are a do-it-for-you service. So people could hire us. We work with a ton of law firms. They can hire us and we will be their marketing team executing, whether it's running just the Google ad or handling the entire digital marketing, um, the entire digital marketing dashboard for that business and executing the work for them. And costs are always minimal. We say our average cost to do a law firms, all their digital marketing is usually like a quarter to a half of the cost of having a part-time marketing assistant at the office. So it's pretty inexpensive. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure in the context, and especially if you do, like you said, you set them up to be able to play with the casinos money, right? At the end of the day, it's just going to pay off pretty much exponentially. Um, kind of moving. So thanks for that. Mo moving somewhere different. And I'm asking you this because you're a business person, but also obviously somebody who was in the trenches back in the day in the, in the real estate industry, which that's a huge sector of our economy, right? Where do you think the economy is headed in 2022? Do you think we're in a bubble like we are, like we were in 2008? 
what to tell you. I um I spent a lot of time studying trends. I was around in 2008 in the mortgage industry and then financial services after that for a good decade. Marketing marketing. I was expecting going into 2019, 2020, that we were going to have some sort of, I wouldn't even say a bubble bursting, but some sort of, some downturn and then naturally it had to happen. You can't have a 10 year bull market that just, you know, now, now, now it's still going. I think we're in, I think we're in a bit of a dangerous place. Um, I know a lot of people are talking about inflation, but it doesn't seem like the powers that be are doing anything about it. And, you know, if I were a conspiracy theorist, I would say, you know, the powers that be have all the incentive to create inflation right now. Mm-hmm. These assets like real estate, they're going up in value at a rapid rate. Inflation is causing that. I was reading a stat the other day that the average American's monthly expenses, and it, this is actually backdated, it's probably higher than this, was about 175 bucks higher than before the pandemic because of inflation. And you know, someone that's making a million bucks a year and has got a big portfolio, that's nothing. That's, that's, you know, that's a few salads for them. The little guy is getting killed right now. I think the property owners don't mind inflation because their balance sheets are just going through the roof. Um, but I don't think this is, uh, I don't think this is sustainable. I think we have to, I think the Fed really needs to slow down buying up all these, you know, mortgage-backed securities and treasuries and so on. I, I think it's got to slow down very, very quickly. Um, and I think we need to, I think we need to stop printing all this cash and, and giving it out to people. I mean, we've got 4 million less people working right now than before the pandemic. We just had a pandemic. What gives, you know what I mean? Um, I think we need to just go back to a normal um, and if the economy needs to slow down a little bit because of it, but as a result, people go back to work, you know, if our home values need to drop a little bit so people can go back to work because we, you know, we taper off inflation. I think I'm okay with it. I think we need work. This is not, this is not normal. It doesn't make sense. The whole thing is just strange. I, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, no, I, I think. <laughs> I mean, if I put on my tinfoil hat, I have all kinds of theories, but, um, but I, I think that the phrase you use that I most agree with would be that this is not normal, you know, the, and I, I really appreciate that you pointed out we were in a 10 year bull market and it, it, you cannot, everything that has to goes up has to come down at some point. Uh, my, my, my take on what happened in 2020 was I, I was on our podcast for uh, five or six years constantly saying, look, in 2020, something is going to happen. Just like, just like you said, because I believe there was about a seven year cycle um, uh, with the, with the monetary inflation and everything like that. I think we put a bandaid on the whole thing with all of that money printing and the PPP loans and everything. And eventually that bandaid has to come off and it's going to get pretty brutal for a while. But the silver lining with the correction is it's a correction. And so it's a gut check. And then the, usually the pain is, even though it could be very strong, it's short lived one or two years, three years or something like that. And we'll kind of come out of it. Um, so you, the pain, you know, my family's originally from Greece. Okay. Um, and I'm reading articles right now that's saying the United States could become the next Greece. Okay. Sure. And I'm not talking about the clear water, the beautiful culture and the history. I'm talking about what they went through economically. My family felt the pain 
family uh, lives all over the Greek islands, some people on the mainland there. And what happened there was absolutely frightening. And a lot of that had to do with printing money, you know, corporate corruption. Um, we're kind of doing the same thing. Our debt load is way bigger compared to GDP than what Greece was. Yeah. And um, I think, uh, I think if we don't, if we don't start fixing this and correcting this, um, you know, something like what they went through, I mean, you know, talking about 50% unemployment rate for people in their, in their twenties. And we're talking about a long time of brain drain, people leaving the country, mm-hmm. 25% unemployment rate, a good unemployment there was like double, still double digits. People are like, Oh, wow. Things are normalizing. That's not normal. Um, and I, I, I think we're playing with fire, but no one's listening to me. So same. Yeah. I can't get, I can't get uh, the federal reserve to listen to me either, even though I harp on them all the time. Uh, maybe one day they will. Well, one last question I'd like to ask everybody, Nick, before we sign off here is uh, knowing what you know now. And if you could go back in time to when you first started your business, what is one piece of advice you'd give yourself? I would have been more brave. I was, I was not bullish enough and I, I wish I was more bullish in my, uh, in my twenties and I wish I took more risks. Um, I, I think I would have been far more successful. I think it would have been okay to fail a couple of times, um, and even gone bankrupt in, in my business. But I think those lessons would have been great. Everyone that I know that is making many, many millions, they've gone bust. They're willing, they're, they're more bullish than I was. So I would say I, I wish I was more bullish uh, when I was younger. I love that answer. If people like what they heard from you today, um, where and how can they find, follow you and get in touch with you and your company? Oh yeah, follow us on Instagram at RealTopDigital. We're putting out really in-depth um, uh, knowledge every day about digital marketing. I mean, a, a lot of stuff. Um, so Real Top Digital on Instagram. You can check us out online, realtop.com. There's a free marketing plan you can request there. Um, all you have to be is self-employed to qualify, and you'll get on with myself and one of my other strategists. And, uh, and please come visit. Beautiful. Thanks for your time today, Nick. Thank you, Lance. 